1: So, have you ever had this project, you know, that you, you thought, well, wow, if I wasn't so busy, I would, I would just finally have time to get this thing done?
2: Yes. Yeah, so certainly, like, creative projects, um, making YouTube videos, painting, things like that. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, it always seems like it's going to be, you know, like everything would just be fixed if you could just have that free time, right? Mm-hmm. So, I guess the follow-up question to that is, have you ever embarked on one of those projects and then found out it wasn't really what you were expecting.
2: Uh yes, uh YouTube. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah,
1: I mean it's funny like that, right? Whenever you can't get to something, it's a lot more attractive. And 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 we do this thing as human beings, right? We where we think Oh this is going to be the thing that's going to that's going to fix me or it's going to make me feel better finally you know like it's going to it's going to balance the scales right you know from I've been I've been working so hard at all this other stuff and now I'm going to do this thing and it's going to just it's going to reinvigorate me or whatever and, you know, it, it's usually the idea more than than the actual thing, and, and you, it's, it's kind of a recipe for disappointment, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I find that I am most motivated to take on a new project when I have about 10 other deadlines looming that I don't want mm-hmm. to address. So, like, when I have a bunch of other things I have to get done, that's when I'll decide to, like, I don't know, build a birdhouse or something stupid like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, that's part of the motivation, right? You, you don't want to be doing what you're doing, so of course this other thing sounds so much better.
2: Yeah, it's a distraction.
0: <clears throat> well, it's, it's kind of funny. When I got my diagnosis, cancer, I said to myself, you know, why me? And then... The other day, when I got the good news, I said the same thing.
1: Welcome to Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Pete
2: and i'm courtney
1: and today we'll be talking about over the television episode over not the word um do you think you could give us a nice synopsis of that courtney
2: yeah sure so this one continues with the black and white teddy bear flash forward and we get a little bit more story um than we have in the previous one so in this one, uh, one of the men in the hazmat suits uh, puts all the evidence bags that we saw in the last one that we, we got this as a cold open, um, puts all the evidence bags into a plastic uh, tote and carries that to the front of the house. And we get to see uh, Walt's Aztec in the driveway. We see that the windshield has been shattered and that there are two body bags in the driveway.
1: I'm sure we'll get to this a little bit later. I didn't me- really mean to, to derail you so early in your synopsis, but um, this one I kind of see where people who were were disappointed with the end got that way, and the you know waiting week to week to find out what this what the payoff to this was. This is pretty seriously like okay, something life changing, you know, life altering is going to happen here at the White Residence. I mean, that's the story it's telling, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see two corpses in the driveway, yeah, right? So body bags. <laughs> the, Yeah, the possibilities are Walt and Jesse, Skyler and Junior, Hank. I mean, there's a lot of different players. Yeah. Uh so of course that that really um ups the ante, right? In terms of our expectations. Definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah teddy bear, that's one thing. Body bags, a whole different situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also get a, we get to see those broken glasses again as well, which I, I think I'm, I commented on, uh, before kind of look like Walt's glasses. So yeah. they're definitely, you know, trying to, to mislead us a little bit. So following the title sequence, we see, uh, we pick up, uh, at the end of the last episode. So following Walt's good news at the end of 209. The White family are having breakfast, and Skylar convinces Walt to stay home and rest. She has plans to throw a party to celebrate that coming Sunday. After she and Junior leave for the day, Walt uh, meets with Jesse to collect his cut, and he shares the good news with Jesse that he's gone into remission. So Jesse is really psyched, you know, he's he's excited and happy. And uh, it's very, very clear that Walt is less than enthusiastic. And uh, he tells Jesse that they'll sell the rest. But, you know, that's it. He's out. He's done. So at the party that they have to celebrate, you know, Walt's remission, Mm -hmm. Walt is uh, sitting outside at a table with uh, Junior and with Hank and a bottle of tequila. So when Walt goes to pour Junior a third shot, Hank interferes and tries to walk away with the bottle, which really enrages Walt. The two men come to blows, they come to face-to-face, and the tension is finally broken when Junior gets uh, sick into the pool. At work, Skylar shares with Ted that Walt has been battling cancer. Later, she notices some discrepancies in the books and she asks him about it. He downplays it and he notices mm-hmm. that she is quite tearful and you know starts asking what's wrong, what's wrong, and she shares that things don't feel any different at home. Ted commiserates with her. He talks about what it was like with his own father at the end, and uh, in uh he puts his hand on top of hers. At first, she pulls away, but then she leaves her hand, right? So they're actually touching. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Uh, Walt decides to replace the hot water heater. And after installing it, he notices that there is rot in the floorboards, and he begins this project of fixing it, making frequent trips to the hardware store. On the Jesse front, uh, they're hanging out in his uh, in his townhouse, his apartment, whatever. And uh, Jane's dad, Donald, stops by unexpectedly, and uh, Jane runs next door and you know greets him. And then when Jesse comes out you know, obviously he expects to be introduced to her, her father, Jane pretends like she doesn't know him. When Jesse later asks her about it, she says she was protecting him and insinuates that their relationship is really nothing more than just sex, right? So of course this really upsets Jesse, who starts smoking meth again, and Jane does eventually apologize in the form of a drawing. Apology, girl. At Benneke... Uh Skyler intentionally knocks over a cup of pens at work to try to lure Ted into her office as he's on his way out. And uh, Walt, at the hardware store again, notices a cart full of meth-making supplies. When he tries to offer the tweaker advice... He alarms the guy who abandons his cart and runs outside of the store. Walt laughs to himself and he makes the line to buy his primer. But then he abandons it and confronts two men in the parking lot telling them to stay out of his territory. So uh, what did you think about this one?
1: Well, I want to say, uh, well, let's see, I, can I risk saying that this is not my favorite episode of Breaking Bad? You know, it's still a very good episode. You know, it's a good installment and um, all of that. But objectively speaking, it's a little behind some of the other episodes we've talked about recently. I mean, there's still some great stuff here related to Walt trying to deal with learning that he has more time and trying to become something different after he's had a taste of being Heisenberg. But I mean, I'm not saying this to complain. I'm just kind of pointing out the idea of what a TV show is. You know, it's a long story. It's delivered in pieces and installments. Um, They can't all be at the same level of intensity. But I mean, this is sort of what makes Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, right? These kinds of episodes. And I think a big part of the rewatch for me has been realizing how, you know, how all the pieces fit together and... You know, I've always I've always appreciated character development, you know, and ca- character-based episodes um but looking at them as a part of a whole, like a whole where I know what's going to happen at the end, that's been a really that's been a really fun experience. So, on that end, you know, if you have to rank and you have to think about things in relation to other, you know, you you would have to say that this is one of the less eventful um episodes maybe of season two but um you know as a as a as a big complete work as a you know a a body of work that's broken up the way that tv is um you know i think that it, it does a great job to put us where these characters are at this moment and then get us ready for what happens next what about you
2: yeah, I, this is a very transitional episode. So in our last uh, podcast episode, um, we talked about how that one ended kind of leaving the series hanging in the balance, right? Like what is going mm-hmm. to happen now that he's made his money and he's now gone into remission. So there's really no need for him to keep doing this kind of work. And if he has uh, been saying that he was just doing this for his family and that was like the the only real motivation to do this line of work, then where does that leave Walt right now? And I think this episode is really answering that question for us. Like there were, as you say, Pete. Like there, I think a lot of the other episodes already kind of showed us this. And in uh, the previous episode, four days out, when we talked about that one, we talked about how Walt was a man ready to lay down and die, and we spent a lot of time talking about where his head was at the end of that episode where he, you know, pummels that paper towel dispenser. And I think this is really just a continuation of like what is going on in his head where he's at. And he clearly has some processing to do. And I think this episode really drives home the point that he is a chan- changed man, right? So this is a transitional episode. And dare I say it's a transformational episode, right? So yeah. the transformation has already happened. But I think this is where Walt really- yet, though. But this is where he learns it, right? Like this yeah, is where this is he where really he
1: figures it out.
2: Yeah, this is where he really comes to terms with the fact that, you know what, he is Heisenberg and this is what he wants. So I think this was uh, this episode really, I think for for viewers, puts that like punctuation mark at the end, right? Like we know, okay, he has changed, he has transformed. So with this sentence of more time, more life, or as Skylar puts it in this episode, more tunnel. I think he's now confronted with the fact that he has done horrible things. And in the last episode, I mentioned the multiple meanings of remission, that, you know, his cancer may have gone into remission, but he cannot remit himself of his sins, right? And it seems that at the beginning of this episode, he really thinks he can just slide back into his, own, his old life, but there really is no going back. We have reached peak decay. Moira Wally Beckett said, um, in the insider podcast of this one, she said, out damned rot. Cause they were talking about how they borrowed a little bit from Shakespeare for this. And, um, out damned rot could be the alternate title. And I couldn't agree more. So I had made the Macbeth connections and better call Saul to like what Kim and Jimmy end up doing, but I had never thought about it in terms of, of breaking bad. So. That was, uh, I thought the insider podcast was was really good for this one. They do talk a little bit more about like where they think the characters' heads are, so it's a little bit more insightful. Yeah, in I that didn't get regard. to listen to it this. Oh, week. it's a good one. It's a good one. Should definitely check it out. So um, the rot really is bone deep here, and they also kept referring to him as Jekyll and Heisenberg. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was pretty like clever that. too. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So maybe Walt thought that. Dying of cancer would be punishment enough for what he had done, and that's kind of where I was getting yeah. at when I was talking about the remission of sin and the yeah, last we were, episode. We,
1: we we almost got there in the conversation last week. I think we were we were right on the edge of that.
2: Yeah, well, I was trying to make that point. I don't know if I actually got that across, but you know, he was thinking like that would be it, right? So like, he's this is the punishment he deserves. I think that's why he says, "I deserve this" when he's laying, yeah, you know, in the in the RV on the cot. So, but um, he doesn't die, right? So, like, what does this mean to him? Is it, like, an absence of God? Does it mean that there is no moral justice? Does it mean that nothing really matters? I think that's something we could talk about, we could debate, or it's something for, for the viewers to maybe decide for for themselves. But what does happen is that he's left in purgatory. So it's kind of like a stay of ex- of execution. So we talked a little bit about, like, the idea of people on death row and what that's like knowing you have, like, an expiration date knowing the Mm -hmm. day you're going to die. But then we talked a little bit about this idea of getting granted a stay of execution. So it's just, as Skylar says, prolonged, right? So -hmm. it doesn't really solve anything. It just prolongs it. It's just more tunnel. So some people in Walt's position, right? So like knowing that, you know what, I'm not going to die immediately. Um, He might try to atone for what he's done, make amends but not him, right? So like, he's, he's not able to do that. And I think that really shows us how much he has transformed fully into Heisenberg at this point. And by the end of this episode, we see that he's not ready to give up the power that he has discovered through this process. So I think it's a really important episode insofar that it shows us that he really has transformed and his motivations are coming from a darker, more, should I say, territorial place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I guess real quick, let's. Yeah, I, I, I was somewhat surprised on this. Like, I, I think with the with the teasers uh, up to this point, this is the third one, right? The third black and white one, or is it the fourth?
2: Well, we can count, right? So it's seven thirty-seven down over. So this would be the the third. third.
1: Yeah, and then the ABT first, would be the fourth. The first two kind of just were really uh you know just on their own re- regardless of what happens they were they were kind of more mysterious kind of more um they just sort of caught my attention a little bit more as far as the way that they were they were put together this was longer it was uh you know you could really kind of see where they're at in this process, you know they're what the mystery is kind of is kind of gone. You know what I mean. You just see these guys are cleaning up and carrying off like evidence. You know what I mean. And then, like I said, you see these body bags, and you're just like, oh, okay, um, what happened here? You know. Um, I think that you know the Aztec too. It's 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 right there. You know, um, mm-hmm. something violent has happened in close proximity to this main character it's and it's probably his fault i mean that's the that's the feeling i come away with if i if i just see what's on the screen and don't think about where you know where it's heading like what what i already know um so i, I think this is probably the least effective of the three so far and and i mean it's effective in doing something but it's it's kind of a fake out at the same time
2: yeah, well, they definitely mean – they intend to mislead you, right? Like, they could have yeah. shown three bodies. They could have shown one body. They didn't have to show a body at all, right? Yeah. Um, but they intentionally <laughs> showed two. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> they very, very pointedly and intentionally showed us those those two body bags. And um I can see, as you said earlier, Pete, why people were maybe a little disappointed about, like – because this, this is really exciting, right? You're like, oh, shit, something massive went down here. Um and I mean I I didn't get to watch this one live, so I got to binge through it so I didn't have to wait very long. Yeah, so yeah. from from this point I only had to watch we're at ten, I only had to watch three more episodes to know what was going to happen to get to the end of the season. So I can see why people were were ticked off about it because you yeah, know that's because the uh, thing
1: the thing too is that you know, you're, you're showing us that this character gets put in these crazy situations and is still manages to get out of them, right? I mean, that's a big part of who he is at this point. That's what you think you're being shown, you know what I mean? Because that's what you had been shown in the past. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, it, that they should never mislead us or anything like that. You know what I mean? That's fine. That's a creative decision that they made. I just don't think it's the most effective one in in that way.
2: Don't forget your pants. We'll be back after this short break.
0: We're getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make.
2: Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth, decay, transformation. Well, well, we, got I one, guess... we
1: got one more and we got we have that actual thing coming. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you want to was there something else you wanted to add about this one now?
2: Well, I was just going to say, and again, I think this is just because of how I first experienced it. I wasn't disappointed with the revelation, but I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I just sat there binging. You know, I wasn't really yeah. thinking. I was just like, I need to see what happens next. Right. So I didn't I didn't have to wait and didn't have time to process or formulate theories about what could have really really happened so it was just like let's yeah, I mean, see what happens
1: yeah obviously you know we we both mentioned that you know that we did we didn't start watching live until after season two so i had the same experience that's what i'm kind of just going back through because i'm just thinking about like if i was covering this show in real time right now and thinking about how fans would interact you know engage with it because yeah. that's a lot of what what I do, you know, on my channel is, is, is talk to people about what might happen based on what we've seen. And I yeah. can just imagine how wild people would be going with theories about what this was. And I think, you know, that maybe that's this sort of came out in a time before that was really a consideration. Mm-hmm. But I think if, you know, if you're talk if you're thinking about making a TV show today, I think that you should probably think about that. Like if I'm... If I'm going to mislead them uh you know is it gonna be, like do am i am i prepared for how how people are gonna process that because that's that's part of that's part of what the craft is right now right I mean that people are gonna watch if you if you throw mysteries out they're gonna try to figure out it's gonna be this big hive mind of the internet everyone working together to have like the you know, the answer. And so, yeah, it could just be really just an artifact of a time before that, you know, um, before that was a, a real thing that I think writers and, and creators need to, to take into consideration whenever they're, they're making decisions. Because it's it's very satisfying whenever you feel like you're involved, like, you know, because obviously you want people to engage with the story week to week yeah. in between. I mean, that's that's a lot of fun. So whenever they do that in a way that doesn't, It's not like fan service necessarily, but like that just says, hey, we know how you guys are going to are going to be following this. And, you know, we want to just give you a little wink and a nod or whatever, you know.
2: I think ultimately it's good for the show because it's going to generate discussion and they want people talking about it. So you're going to get a lot of people on Internet forums, on YouTube, uh, on podcasts, right, talking about it, speculating. And I was thinking, like, if I was watching this and I had to wait a week to find out or whatever. I would probably come up with some stupid theory, like, oh, Walt's going to kill those, like, two meth guys at the, that he meets at the hardware store because those are two new characters and <laughs> yeah. they stepped into his territory and he has Definitely to clear them out. He's going to.
1: Type characters, you know, like, yeah, he, you would He's going to tuco them
2: out of his yeah. territory or whatever, you know? So, yeah, but. I think that's ultimately good for a series because it does generate excitement and conversation. And, and inevitably, when you do that, of course, they do run the risk of disappointing some people, but people yeah. are going to be pissed off always, right? You can't please that, everyone. That's true. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun to, to have those little, little teasers there. And unless it's like they really, you know, jump the shark or, you know, miss that landing, I, I don't know. I don't really have any complaints with how Breaking Bad really handled anything i know a lot of people don't like this a lot of people don't like other certain aspects of it i know a lot of people were very upset with how uh saul ended a lot of people were really really upset speaking about these like little flash forwards right that were really upset about like what happened with the gene timeline and specifically what happened with um uh jeff you know the the cab driver so
1: i mean do you think that, do you think it's a lot of people though like as far as percentages, or do you think that there, it's just a, with with, uh, with some of the stuff that you're talking about with Saul there, I mean, those are complaints. I mean, I, 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 hear the, you know, those are all complaints I heard quite a bit, but I think in both cases, I guess just to, you know, even including this, this, um, these cold opens and everything else, generally speaking, you know, people came away with a favorable, Favorable reaction to to that, you know. Like, I think that there were, I think with with Better Call Saul, the biggest thing I I heard was that the the ending didn't make sense, and that's kind of to me that's sort of just like, I mean, for the character, I guess I should I should be a little more specific there. The decisions he made didn't make sense for the characters, but I mean uh, for the character, but I think that that's just like saying, well. Watching the whole series of Breaking Bad and saying, "Well, yeah, but Walt was doing it all for his family the whole time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know
2: yeah, well, like, I, th- I think some of the criticisms are are valid, right yeah, I know there that's are that's not the conversation criticisms. we're yeah. we're having here, but uh, To your, your question, is this like the general consensus? I think most people, you're right, did like the way it ended or just didn't really spend that much time thinking about it. Of course, the people that yeah. we're talking about were the people that were really heavily invested. They were watching us on YouTube. They felt inclined to leave comments, right? So these were people mm-hmm. that had very strong opinions to begin with, right? Because then they had to log into YouTube and actually watch videos and leave mm-hmm. comments on it. So they're perhaps a little bit more invested than the general audience, maybe? I don't know. So I, I I think most of the overall was was positive. But in the immediate aftermath, like right after the episode ended, I think a lot of people needed time to process it. But I think that's true for any really popular, really well beloved TV show. People need yeah. time to process that it's over, that maybe they didn't get what they wanted, things didn't go the way they wanted it to. Whatever, whatever. But you know, m- somewhat germane to our conversation here about this idea of, like, what do characters deserve in punishment? And, uh, you know, I, I know something that that they really struggled with in Breaking Bad was, like, letting Walt off the hook or going too light on him. And I know that was a big topic of conversation, fol- like, going into Better Call Saul, that they wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I guess there was some some moral outcome, right? And I think like maybe there was, uh, maybe too much emphasis on that as they were coming up with the story and writing, trying to make sure that someone actually, you know, got punished for their crimes in this yeah. universe, in this world. And they were maybe, I mean, I don't want to say like that, that distracted them or derailed them or made them not true to the character. Cause I think they handled it really well that they had this idea that they really wanted him to pay for what he had done. Mm-hmm. But they also were able to, I think, very cleverly also satisfy um, that we all wanted, to, we wanted t- Jimmy to win. At least I did, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though he'd done some terrible things, he certainly didn't, you know, he didn't kill Hank or Gomi and neither did yeah. Wolf for that matter. But, you know, that's ultimately what he's being held responsible for. Um, But, of course, it's yeah. also his complicity in Walter White's crimes, yada, 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 and all the other things he's. He's done, and it's more for him about, I think, than actually serving time for any one particular, like, legal crime. It's making up for, making amends for all the things that he's done as a human being. And I think that's really the point that they're trying to make. But that he's able to negotiate and get his sentence down to seven and a half years, you know, he bests them. He wins, right? So that, Mm -hmm. I think that does satisfy, at least it satisfied me. Like, Jimmy did win, but then he's the one that makes the decision to 86 himself. So. I was happy yeah. with how it ended. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was very good, and um, I guess to
2: <laughs> bring this back, tran-
1: transition <laughs> yeah. back into this other TV series that we talk about sometimes, Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, I I like the way that this opened here with the uh, the bruised knuckles, mm. and it, it's sort of him alone thinking about why he did that, right? Like we that was the question we, we had on our minds last week when we were talking about this was why why did he decide to punch that? And I think a little bit this first shot, this opening shot of of him in his bedroom, it shows that he doesn't really understand why he did it either, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well it's kind of like Lady Macbeth looking at, you know, the blood on her hands, out damn spot, right? And then of course that focus shifts to the the rot, right? So like he's trying to cut out the the cancer the uh-huh. the the guilt the whatever you know all the the sin um that that he has so i but going back to the to the knuckles it, i think it is you know he's looking at his hand and as i said in my impressions like i i think he, obviously he still has some processing to do and and i don't think he really does know who he is or or where he's at it, at this point and um you know there's some some really interesting things that happen In, uh, this episode. So what does he say at some point? So, oh yeah, like after the thing with, um, with Hank happens and he calls, uh, he calls, uh, Skylar and he leaves this message on her, on her phone. He says, I'm not exactly sure who that was yesterday, but it wasn't me.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
2: um, I thought that was a really poignant line for, you know, pretty obvious reasons, but, um, it is him and he hasn't really (laughs) at this point in the episode recognize that he does i think come to that realization at the very end of the episode um but this is that those growing pains of really coming to terms with the fact that you know what this is this is really who he is
1: yeah and i i thought that they set this all these little turns like you know episode turns up really well with the whole idea of Skylar the way that she presents this in the morning you know we have a lot to celebrate about we're we're really you know she she keeps having these things like she's saying them out loud hoping that they'll become true if she puts them out there in the world right you know we're just really excited about the future uh you know um we see that you know cuz we were kind of talking about this um over the last couple of weeks too where they're at and where they're going and i think with her you know and she she talks about this with Ted later the disappointment of realizing that the worst thing that was happening wasn't that her husband had cancer really <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um that that if you solved that problem that everything else wouldn't just wouldn't just get better as a result and i mean that's that's relatable but and it's also it's difficult you know i mean it's a it's a thing that is um you know, whenever they have this, whenever they have this thing that's in front of them that they're, they're working towards solving, they can keep going forward. But whenever that's gone, then they really have to look around and say like, what, what is happening here? You know, it's this, it's very, her. it's, you know, her, her moment to punch the, the paper towel dispenser mm-hmm. is sort of happens in slow motion it, through a series of steps through this the last two episodes and, you know, whereas his was. As soon as he got the diagnosis, he was like, damn, I don't know what the hell to do with with myself now. Uh, she's kind of doing that slowly throughout this episode, huh?
2: I think it's more in, for her, it's more in reaction to how, like, withdrawn and odd he is, right? Like, he yeah. should be excited. And we didn't really talk very much about the final, I mean, we talked about the paper towel dispenser, but we didn't really address, like, how excited the family is at the end of the last episode when mm-hmm. the doctor says... You know, signs of remission and, and he says, you know, it's 80% remission. The tumor has, a uh, has shrunk and, you know, the the whole family is there, uh, Skylar, Jr., Hank and Marie, and they're all celebrating. They're all elated. And Walt is, you know, he's, he hugs, uh, Skylar and he seems happy too, but then he goes into the paper, the paper towel dispenser, uh, sh- a shot there. So. And then I think this picks up exactly where that was. Like she wants to celebrate. Junior wants to celebrate. This is really good news. They're going to get their lives back or get to some sort of sense or semblance of normalcy. Right. So like they don't have to deal with like uh, the, the chemo anymore at this point. Things are looking up. At least they have more time, more time to, to relax. Cause you know, up, up until this point, they've all been sort of like waiting with bated breath to see what was going to, to happen to him. And I think his, how, how obviously unhappy he is <laughs> with this news is really startling to her, right? So she wants him to stay home and, re- and relax, but he's like, you know, not like, I don't know. He's he's so disconnected and detached and it's like he can't really face it. He can't process it. So we see some of that in that breakfast scene, but even more so when he's meeting with Jesse and they, they meet at, um, was it Taco Sal that they go to? For that one, I don't, I don't know exactly which, which restaurant.
1: Yeah, I didn't pay attention. I mean, it looked like it was Mexican food, but I didn't um, see. Was it on? Did they actually show the exterior of the shop when they went in?
2: I can't remember. They may have done. I don't know. Anyway, he meets with Jesse, and you know Jesse is like over the moon excited for him. And uh, you, you know, Mister White, you kicked its ass. That's awesome. And uh, Jesse says, you know, I was checking the obits, and Walt mm-hmm. says no such luck. <laughs> you know and I think he meant that when he when he said it. And just a couple of other things that I think he does early in the episode like how he's intentionally shaving his head. It's not a result of chemo anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not on the chemo so he's making that choice to keep the keep the head shaved and everything. So he's uh yeah, he's he's going through the motions of trying to figure out who he is and hold on to what he thought he was, but at the end I guess you know he's uh not, and, and I, not gonna I, I pretend think, anymore
1: <laughs> yeah and I do think there are genuine emotions that they're having here I mean I think she does does feel excited and does want to celebrate um uh, I think you see on his face at, at one point in the breakfast scene that he that he smiles and it looks it looks like a real genuine like yeah you know the family' we're, we made it through we're here together here and yeah of course we can do that like he it's he's in a different place when they actually have the party, but like beforehand, you know, you could see that they are there's a you know, there there's a normal reaction there. It just things get mixed up as 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 the episode goes on, I guess, you
2: know? Yeah, it does.
1: And you and you brought up Jesse, you know, Jesse just responds like a normal human being here, right? I mean, there's nothing out of the ordinary with it. It's like <laughs> When you hear that someone's dying and then they find out they're not dying, that's what you do, right? You get excited. And I thought, you know, whenever... He, it's a big moment when he says, I'm out, you know, when Walt says, I'm out. And I think it's interesting that that there's no part of Jesse that tries to talk him into continuing. Like, you know, J- Jesse's just sort of like, yeah, that's the thing we did. You know, we made a bunch of money. Um, it's There's no... I'm not saying that this is like proof that jesse would be able to walk away clean either i don't think he would be but just the way that he thinks Mm -hmm. you know he's thinking all right yeah you know you got the money that you you did the thing you said you were going to do it it was some people died along the way and all that it wasn't exactly clean and clear but hey you did it so i totally respect your uh, your decision to just go and um, live your life out with your family
2: I don't know. Maybe this is just how I read it, but I thought Jesse seemed a little bit disappointed, right? I mean, he doesn't protest or, or try to sway him one way or another, but he's like, okay, you know, all right? Yeah, I do think. You know? <laughs> but it seemed to me like a little bit, a little bit of disappointment, like that they weren't going to keep doing. No, I would agree. They were doing. I would
1: agree. Yeah, in yeah. the I performance, you can see that that he is a little bit let down because, as we've established, and all you know, all these other things, like he does really. Feel like he's a part of something with Walt, right? And he does feel like he's he's a contributing member, and and he gets he gets something from from that whole thing. Um, but um, mm-hmm. but I think it's I just think it's interesting that he does say, hey, you know what? Like he, he would be, I, I do think he would be okay with him leaving the business, and he wouldn't necessarily try to pressure him to come back into it.
2: Maybe I think what hap- maybe we should just go ahead and talk about like yeah. Jesse's story arc in, in this particular episode. Because I think what happens with, with Waltz somewhat informs us of how he's feeling when he feels uh, rejected by Jane, right? So when Donald comes over and she pretends like she doesn't know him. And then later in the day when she's like, who is us? Who yeah. is you and me? You know, and, and how much that, that hurts him and that, that, that I think Jesse carries a, around a lot of grief over the sense of abandonment and rejection. Probably rooted in his childhood and his feelings about his own family and stuff like that. And we've talked about how Walt is like a father figure to him. He, even though it's a very toxic, weird relationship, Walt is someone that he looks up to. Walt is this parental type figure. He wants Walt's approval. He's He yearns for Walt's mm-hmm. approval. Um, So that Walt is like, you know, basically cutting him off as much as he might understand it. I think that's that it hurts Jesse a little bit. And I think that whatever sting he feels by this idea that he's losing this, this relationship, whatever it means to him, uh, further compounds how he feels about what happens with him and Jane. He's feeling rejected on multiple fronts, right? So if that, if maybe if things had gone a little differently with Walt, like, yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing or like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's just like keep it cool for now and we'll, we'll talk later sort of thing. Um, but um I think he was already feeling a certain way when what goes down with, with Jane might add no, to his that, feelings. I don't know. That's just yeah, the way I I mean that I, I definitely makes it.
1: sense. Um I, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to say that he wouldn't be that he wouldn't feel bad about it if Walt walked away. I guess I was just trying to emphasize the fact that he wouldn't try to force him into it in the way that Walt will repeatedly force yeah. <laughs> Jesse to come <laughs> back into it throughout the rest of the series you know that was just the i guess that's more of the comparison i was trying to make of course jesse you know he shows us and this is actually a pretty good way to show that about him he's making the breakfast and he's trying to be a good boyfriend and um you know she she you can see that she's a little bit weirded like not just by the fact that there are eggshells in the egg or whatever but like what's going on here like where you know we're just kind of hanging out and um then you realize as the episode goes on that this is really more about her and like where she's at. Yes. And, and he's not mm-hmm. really in a position to understand that though, is he? Because he's just looking at her and this relationship as the thing that is going to make his give his life some meaning or whatever, right? He doesn't really know her that well. And so all of that stuff is, is pretty harsh the way that it comes out. Like, I guess none of what she's really saying is wrong. I mean, it's kind of like, it's, it's, Cold, you know what I mean? It's definitely cold the way that she she reacts, especially after the fact. After you know, she can see that he's he's really been uh, kind of wounded from from being slighted in front of her dad or whatever. I think a normal person like in Jesse's position realizes that, yeah, okay, that's actually a big step. Whenever you meet the the family and all that, and then, and maybe we're not there yet, you know. So like, you can probably get around it. But but the fact that she says, you know, who's you and me or whatever, right? Isn't that the this line? I think yeah. that's sort of like turning the knife for him. And we know as viewers that that's probably going to send him somewhere to where he's going to be smoking meth, right? I mean, that's the way we've seen this character react in situations like that in the past.
2: Well, Jane is, is Jane is kind of Walt like in some ways, right? Like she, and I think you made this point in the last episode or the one before Pete, you said that, uh, when she grabs his hand, right? She takes the initiative. She makes the first move. That really sets the tone for the rest mm-hmm. of their relationship. She calls the shot. She's the one with the power. And I think that's uh, somewhat comparable to Walt and Jesse's relationship, right? And something that is similar between Walt and Jane and is how they view, view Jesse and how they view themselves in relation to Jesse. They both look down on him. They both think that they're superior mm-hmm. to Jesse. And neither of them really are, right? Like they're, but, and Jesse, I think, and and I think this is maybe the point you were trying to make talking about that restaurant scene with Walt is that Jesse's like a normal person though. Like he, he respects boundaries. He doesn't try to like really overstep, you know, like whatever his own feelings are, he puts those aside. He's actually an empathetic person, you know, and he's like, okay, I can see this is good for my partner. This is good for Walt. Um, you know, and he's not going to necessarily speak up about like what he wants or he needs or throw a temper tantrum the way other characters might. And I guess the point I was trying to make about like how Jesse is feeling, especially wounded, is because he's getting some more of this, like, like in the the four uh, days out, how how awful Walt is to him, all the mean things he says, and now he's getting it from Jane too. So it's not just like pretending that the dad like. She could have, like, used that as, like, whatever. Like, yeah, I didn't want my dad to know we're dating. But she really says yeah, some really shitty does. things. Like, what is there to say that, like, the stoner guy lives next door and, by the way, I'm sleeping mm-hmm. with him? So, I mean, that's obviously how she's trying to convince herself she uh, of what this relationship is. And as you said, Pete, it's more than that. This is really more about, like, her own hang-ups and feelings than it is about Jesse. But Jesse doesn't know that. He's just... Listening to what she's saying and, and taking that at face value. And then something that she says, like, I mean, I'm letting you smoke in here. Like she's doing him like this <laughs> well, huge she's favor. With him, it's so <laughs> shitty. Exactly. Exactly. So she likes to think that she's better than him. She's superior to him. Um, but she's, she's really not right. Like she's in there, as you say, smoking with him and obviously has feelings yeah. for the kid. She does care about him and enjoys being with him. And I guess that's at her own to her own chagrin, right? Like to her own embarrassment. She doesn't maybe want to be associated with someone like Jesse. She thinks she's better than Jesse, the same way that yeah. that Walt thinks he's better than Jesse. So, I mean, poor Jesse. He really gets dumped on by by everyone. The two people closest to him.
1: Yeah, it's it is very it's it's sad, and I, he had to find out that that male kangaroos don't have pouches in such a such a harsh way too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like Kang-a-man, this is Kang-a-man, and then she's like, oh, okay, so you know only only the female kangaroos have pouches, and then he's just sort of like, yeah, he's definitely a dude. And then later he's like, uh, I was a kid, it was like four years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. <I> was, <laughs> and his uh, Rewindo. Yeah. So we get, to, we get to see what a good drawer he is too in this one.
1: Those are fun little moments. Don't forget your pants. We'll be back right after this short break. Fire up the RV. We're back with more Growth Decay Transformation. I guess with this party, the toast that they both do... I mean, I, I guess we touched on both of them a little bit already. Skylar says we're so excited about the future, which I think is a is a great line for this entire episode, this endeavor that we're, we're involved with here. Um... You know, for the first time in a long time, we are so excited about the future. And um, you know, I mean, that's like a, that's just one of those things. Like, you know, there's a there's there's an implication there. You know, that better things are to come, and and you really want to see that. But I, you know, I really like the contrast mm-hmm. of of waltz. Is I don't even know how that people really process what he says because he says you know i I thought why me when i found out i got the cancer diagnosis and then when i got the good news i also said why me and you know obviously you can you can sort of twist that around to say like why do i deserve to Mm -hmm. live or something like that right right that that's like the that's the favorable interpretation of it right
2: yeah yeah but i (laughs) i think of the
1: but he doesn't deliver it that way at all yeah (laughs) As, as
2: hank says Wow, inspirational! And by the by, the way, that was an uh, that was an ad lib by uh, Dean Norris. That was something that he uh, he threw in there, and they kept. I thought that was pretty great. Uh, but yeah, so like the why me? Why why do I get doomed with cancer? Why me? Why am I spared? Why am I saved? <laughs> but yeah, the way he delivers it, I think you can really read his disappointment, right? Like shit. So that that is the answer to the the paper towel dispenser question, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and then he you know, that's I think that's where Skylar starts to to really unravel a little bit of as far as like, okay, what, what is really happening here now? Like what what is what are we excited about when we think about the future and huh. she has a hard time coming up with those answers. Um
2: Well, I think the tipping point is what happens with with Junior and Hank. Well I was gonna say
1: <laughs> he doesn't do himself any favors with this, this tequila uh situation either. And it's one of those things, right? Because this is something that's been boiling up for a long time. hmm The way that Hank has... I don't know what the word is. I mean, he's sort of like... Of course, you know, there's there's a line of, like, well, helping him out, helping Junior out in the time whenever while it's really dealing with chemo and everything else. And then there's the... I don't know, what would the word be? Um, replacement father, almost, right? Or, like... But I mean, he's sort of like that. But he's a cool uncle that doesn't have to deal with everything day in and day out, you know. Which is really infuriating when you're the father sitting there watching that. You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm. you're you're like, okay, yeah, you you can come in and tell your cool stories and everything else, and and he looks up to you. But like, you're not his dad. I am, right? Like that's a mm-hmm. that's a natural reaction, even if you're not pounding back shots and you're not Walter White, right? It's still like, hey, this is my son, right? Um so, yeah, I, I always thought this was a really great situation that they... This, and, and the thing about it is Hank could just walk away, right? Like before he walks away. Like he could just say, okay, this is... this. I don't like the way this is going. Maybe I'll just go talk to somebody else for a while, you know? And um, he kind of pushes it too, right?
2: hmm Yeah, I, I think these party scenes with Walt and Hank are really interesting. So, we've had three... So yeah. if you think to back to the pilot, it's Walt's birthday and they're having this party. And I think there's four is, though. Are, yeah. uh, to this point,
1: I think there's four. Well, one one of them might not have been a party, but I, I was thinking the same thing. Go ahead, I didn't mean to. Uh, I'll just
2: so the pilot. We have the birthday party and the relationship between those two men. There, Walt is really quiet and you know weak and emasculated. Yada yada yada. Hank really dominates, and then we get the baby shower. And there we have that really interesting conversation when they sneak outside to have the cigar and that's when they're talking about like what's legal, what's yeah. illegal, right? So, we see that Walt is starting to kind of push back a little bit, right? He's he's sort of testing the water a little bit. And then this one where he's really uh not going to allow Hank to dominate the space anymore. This is his territory. It's very much like, you know... <laughs> like a dog marking its territory. Yeah. This is my house. This is my son. This is my bottle. And you're not going to control what happens here anymore. And, uh, I think Hank is very much in control over that whole situation. Right. And to, to what you were saying, um, a couple of minutes ago about Junior, Junior has always looked up to, to Hank and they have a, a, a more, I guess, a, a closer relationship in some ways than, than what Walt and Junior have. So uh, Junior's constantly looking to to Hank for his approval. So when he puts like the the drink in front of him, Junior isn't looking at Waltz; he's looking at Hank, yeah. right? Like you know, trying to read like is this okay? And then you know, uh, Hank basically gives him his, his nod of approval. So then he throws it back, and then I, I it's like if they're fighting over that that territory yeah. over that that relationship. So it is a, a very long time coming, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean it comes out in the in the worst way too because that thing that you mentioned, you know, that's one of the points that that Walt makes right there. He says, "Why are you looking at him?" And that's mm-hmm. and that's why he continues to give him drinks in a way. Uh I mean, he might have just kept going or whatever, but I mean that was definitely fuel for the fire was that he was looking over at Hank to say whether it was a good idea or not. And and yeah, and I mean I just think that, you know, it this is something like in the beginning of the series where you would say, what does this character need? Well, he needs to be more assertive. He needs to, you know, you know, do this or that. And then you see here, like it, it comes out in the worst way whenever he, he does try to like, I mean, in his head, that's what he's doing. Right. He's like, he doesn't expect that it's going to turn out the way that it does, but he he's thinking to himself, like, I need to, I need to take back, you know this this relationship with my son you know like i'm his father uh i i need this you know this guy's been like you mentioned you know he's been he's been talking to me like i'm i'm a you know like a a insignificant character in this story whenever i i'm a i'm a you know i'm a full-grown man i'm a father i'm i'm all these things you know like people Mm -hmm. need to recognize that you know and this is my house this is my bottle all of that, um, you know, sort of taking that back and, 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 you know, speaking up for himself. And it's, it's a great way that they did that here where it just comes out so terribly and completely embarrass- embarrassing in the end for him.
2: Yeah, and I mean it's not even I don't even think it's really about Junior. It's it's more about Hank. Yeah. And it's about Walt's really it's territory. And then I think the the final uh line of the episode, stay out of my territory. That's this is just Walt being extremely territorial. Uh-huh. He's like you know, he's the alpha dog now and he's not gonna let anyone come in and like, you know, pee on his fire hydrant or whatever. This is his spot and his place. So I I also think this scene is is critical in understanding the shift in Walt that he doesn't care who he hurts to get what he wants, right? So Junior Junior's just a pawn in this. Yeah. It's not about Junior. It's not really about him getting to to drink or or Walt's giving him the drink and because he wants to. He's doing that just to to uh, to get the control back from yeah Hank, because he can to say to Hank he can, he can yeah say to, Hank, to say to I Hank I can do you this know.
1: you can't stop exactly me. yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, bugger off, right? This is I'll do what I want sort of thing. So, and of course Junior ends up being the one hurt by it, right? So he's just a pawn in this in this game that he's playing and I think this you know really lets us know where this character is going that he doesn't care who he hurts as long as he gets what he wants. And he, and he gets And that's to, I think
1: and I was just going to say and he gets to see that later too whenever whenever mm-hmm. Junior says to him. But I kept up, right? I drank 3, you know. Yeah. And and you can see how like that's the kind of attention that he wanted from his son, maybe. But look at the price that they have to pay to get there, right? Like he was definitely sick, and he didn't care. Like I was going to say the same thing when you brought that up earlier was that it didn't matter if, if if Junior gets hurt in the process. This this is between Hank and and Walt and and Hank or Walt establishing himself in in his territory.
2: Hmm. Poor Junior.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I, that always was kind of gutting to me whenever he says. But I kept up, right? You know, I drank three. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's sad, you know.
2: Hmm. Yeah, he completely misunderstood what was going on between those two. He didn't get it.
1: I thought that another one that I didn't really ever something that jumped out to me this time watching that it was really effective was whenever there whenever Skylar's doing her toast and she brings up gretchen and elliot and you see walt he got he's got a beer in his hand and and he sort of starts taking long pulls of it right then whenever she's saying you know oh, they were they were lifesavers and everything else um i thought that was a really nice little detail there
2: yeah it is and it also gives us i think a, a also a, it lets us know what is his mindset is as he's going into what happens with With Hank, so we know how he already feels about Gretchen and Elliot, and how like he's tired of not getting credit for like what he thinks are you know (laughs) his uh, you know what what he's entitled to, what his genius is, what his contributions have been, sort of thing. So this is really where the ego, I think, starts to really become super inflated and out of out of control. He's not able to check it anymore, so he he wants recognition he wants credit he wants to be admired and respected by his son Mm -hmm. by the world and uh you know that's i think that's what the the whole point of this episode is just to show that (laughs) that this is someone that is now being motivated by a by darker forces
1: yep and so we did sort of mention her talk with ted about the about the cancer. I thought that was a pretty good line where he says that being the rock, you know, that that takes it takes everything out of you. I can't really find it here in my notes, but um it's something like being it, that rock takes everything you got, you know.
2: Yeah. And I I, I think the way that cuz you know it's interesting that Skylar had not told or shared anything really personal with with Ted up to this point, but then of course the way that the the conversation about Hank even comes up or not Hank why do I always do this? I always mix up Hank and Waltz. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when they're, uh, when he doesn't know anything about Waltz, uh, Waltz cancer. So she brings in the churros that are left over from the party. And he's like, well, why were you celebrating sort of thing? It wasn't a birthday. And she's like, no, no, no. And that's when she finally shares that he, um, he had cancer. And I think, uh, you know, there's been some flirtation, flirtation between Skylar and Ted up to this point. I think she likes the attention and mm-hmm. obviously things the 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 worse things get at home, the more attractive he becomes to her, and I think that's just like you know, uh because of how awful shit is, and she has no one she can really talk to about it. So Walt essentially drives her into Ted's arms. I think you could you could say so from how he behaves and everything and how upset she is. so to have someone that you know sees her and is able to to empathize with her, I think is, is really important for someone in um her position.
1: Yeah. I haven't really thought about it too much going, going through this yet because it's just, we're just getting here. I I guess it always kind of made sense how the, how that developed, you know, like how the, how the affair developed in relation to Walt. But if you think about it, just between these two characters, you know, like whenever, like you said, she does she holds back in the beginning. She doesn't really she never uses his his Walt situation like to get the job or anything like that. Um she does she does obviously have some attraction to him going in and she knows that and and that's not that's not not a part of the of the equation or whatever, but I mean you see that it it happens pretty organically, right? Like she she doesn't want his, you know the touch on his hand from from him earlier then she's knocking the pens off the desk like that's that's mm-hmm. pretty overt action like hey come here look pay attention to me you know like that that's exactly the the what she's trying to accomplish there right mm-hmm. but i mean i think it does all kind of develop organically right like it it's not just of course she's going to react to her situation um but as far as the way that they they wrote this and they put this together, like it, I think it it all it all makes a good amount of sense based on the fact that yeah, and what she's experiencing at home.
2: And something you said uh, in one of the earlier episodes, Pete. It was something that I thought about as I was watching the Skylar and, and Ted scenes in, in this episode because I hadn't really thought about it uh, before. So. I thought what you meant you said something about how like um this this relationship we were talking about how this this relationship is sort of mutually exploitive. Yeah. So like she wants this job and he needs someone, a good bookkeeper maybe. And uh we do get that one line from her, like the first time they have the interaction before, you know, she shares about Walt and stuff like that, that she had a question about this Keller account. There's something wrong with like the the books there. And then he's like, "Oh, well, you know, he blames his dad, yeah. sort of thing. Like, oh, you, know, you just like kind of pay me later, sort of thing." So I was with with what you said in mind that this guy's really slimy mm-hmm. and you know, kind of gross and everything. I don't know how smart Ted is. I get the impression that he isn't a really no, a really like you know, um, intellectually like. I don't know if he's like smart enough to be this this uh deceiving.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah,
2: but. Deceitful, thank you. But um, does he recognize like that she's interested and he's playing up to that? Because he's got this, he now knows that there's like this Keller thing going on too? Uh. Like, I, I wondered, I thought about that because of, of what you said in that, um in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. And uh, it made me think about it a little bit differently. Because at first, he just seems like, oh, yeah, this, this woman's into me. And like, of course, like, he's gonna react to it. He's single. But now I'm wondering if, like, he has like ulterior m- motives. Yeah. But then again, I don't think he's that smart. You yeah, know? I don't
1: know. I, I I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that's an interesting question. I, I it didn't really go through my mind this time when I was watching it, just because, because I guess I I forgot about the fact that she knocked the the cup of pens over. Like that wasn't something I remember in the natural progression of the thing. And and that that was sort of like where I was thinking a lot. I was like, okay, so this is like. A, a cry for help, you know what I mean? Like this is someone who's like um, maybe more more active in in getting the ball rolling than I than I previously remembered. But that that is really interesting to think about how you know that they do just sort of mention it, that there's a little bit of a bookkeeping error here, and he he plays it off mm-hmm. and not really that well. You know what I mean? Like it might have worked for her, but for for us, like we can kind of tell that the, there's something weird going on there. Mm-hmm. and i wonder and i wonder he if he, i wonder if he does does see that as like we'll have an opening here, you know, like if I could yeah I, I got you know like i got I got this problem and I gotta solve it, and this is the person that can help mm-hmm. me solve it, so like what tools are available for me in this in this uh job or whatever it might be it might be there, he might be thinking yeah about i because
2: mean, he's now aware that she's aware that there's an issue, yeah, so this might be like an attempt to disarm her, and i think you know, obviously, Skyler is trying to get his attention. The knocking over the pens thing is very overt, right? Uh-huh. And, but I think it's important just to, to remember that he's the one that initiates physical contact with her. And at first she recoils, yeah. but then she, yeah. she, um, she leans into it. And, uh, you know, we, I, I think it's, it's again like a, a, interesting parallel to what goes on with, with Jesse and, um, yeah, and Jane with their first touch.
1: Yeah, and that's also kind of weird too when you think about it because the 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 thing about the reason she left in the first place, it's heavily implied is because he touched her inappropriately, right? Mm-hmm. So that is pretty interesting there. I mean, it's a natural, I think, for her to pull away either way, you know what I mean? Like regardless of anything else, like it, it's kind of weird when someone touches you for the first time, right? If it's if it's in that context, you know, you're at work, and and this is your boss, and and whatever, uh, yeah. But I mean that that's an that's an interesting thought too about the fact that this is this is this is part of their history too. Was that he he took things too far in the past?
2: Yeah, but in this context, you know, if there wasn't that history between them, and there wasn't the other flirtations happening, you could just see that as like a kind empathetic compassionate gesture right like she's sitting at work crying and she's dealing with her like you know this this cancer um she's you know she's she even says like you know it's pregnancy hormones which can also uh you know make people rather emotional and stuff like that so yeah i was i i I don't know i don't know i have to think about this a little bit more because since you first raised the the question or the possibility that ted was using Skylar all along. I think that really changes the way I understand their relationship and yeah. think about it. And now with like the that, they specifically mentioned the Keller account here. I think, is again, that's not an accident. That's not a minor thing we're supposed to pay attention yeah. to that point.
1: I think we can move on. I mean, I think because it, it's, it's a developing situation. But mm-hmm. one thing that I will say before we move on is... Ted is very good. I mean, I think you're right that he's not that smart and and all that, <laughs> but he is very good at playing that. Aw shucks, I'm just a mm-hmm. I'm just a a nice guy that that's really concerned and want 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 everything good to happen to you. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, like even though he has a history, like his the idea of the simple act of comfort that you're talking about of, of just being like uh you know that that doesn't come out of nowhere i mean that's not out of the ordinary for a person like him to do you know it's not forward at all in that context so uh yeah so there's i don't know if you heard or not but they they have a problem with rot over at the um the white <laughs> residence yeah we talked a little bit in the beginning about this. I, I love the the way that he just sort of dives headfirst into this, and and the the best part of it is when he he passes that piece of that plank up to to Junior through the through the floor. Have you ever seen anything like it? <laughs> <And> junior's <laughs> just like fruiting bodies. Yeah, fruity just, what? <laughs> yeah, junior's just like it's wood. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I think this. This idea that that there's this this rot, right? Obviously, this is a metaphor for mm-hmm. cancer. It's a metaphor for what Walt has done, his own sins. Yeah,
1: a little um, bit of a meth business that he started on the side.
2: Exactly, and I think it's really interesting that his family doesn't see it. They can't see the stain, and and uh, this is I, I already mentioned this, but in the Insider podcast, that's uh, Vince Gilligan mentioned that they were inspired a little bit by by a uh, Shakespeare hair for. Macbeth and like this idea of how like they're haunted by like uh, the stain of their sins and they can't really wash their hands uh, clean of it. But you know, to everyone else, they're not able to. It's not something you can see visibly. It's just something that you the the guilty party wrestles with. So that he becomes obsessed with rooting out this this rot. I think we can read that in a number of of ways, right? So he's trying to distract himself first and foremost. Like as you said, this is a project that he can dive into that's going to distract him and it's it's a way of focusing his energy so he doesn't have to think about the other things that he doesn't want to think about mm-hmm. but you know it's also i think uh, he can't repress all those those feelings forever and his obsession with trying to get this this contamination is something i think that they also explore in the episode the fly and what the fly itself represents is this contamination that he can't seem to get away from yeah but um it's also i think in a way like foreshadows the surgery right so like he knows that his cancer has shrunk by 80% he's showing signs of remission but it's still there and it's just laying kind of dormant at mm-hmm. the moment so the desire the need to cut out all the fruiting bodies could be <laughs> you know where he, where he's starting to maybe perhaps develop some hope that he actually wants to live like maybe he hasn't really processed it intellectually cerebrally at this point like i yeah. want to live but like he's so instead of, like, addressing that, like, what can I do to to get rid of this cancer, to cure myself, he becomes obsessed with instead of getting this rye out of his house.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this is something that was hinted at in the very, very pilot, right? Where he says the, the hot water heater, you know, get a mm-hmm. new hot water heater. I, I mean, this is a... Skylar's a little distracted right now, but this is a purchase that might Set off some morning bells, right? Like he just went and bought the most expensive one. He kind of made a point of like money is no object when he's talking to the guy. And you have that shot of the <laughs> laying the money on the, the bloody, counter yeah. with the blood on it. That was uh, that's a great that's a classic uh, one there. But yeah, I mean it's you know this is a problem he's solving it. It's a thing that's been going on. You kind of see the brown water when he's shaving his head earlier, and then again in the in the kitchen all of that makes sense for him to do that but like i said this is it's really about something else and he's he's not going to work like before he he wanted to go to work now he doesn't want to go to work um there's And a, she
2: wants him to. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's a lot of inconsistencies going on there that don't that won't add up for his family but he's 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 not realizing that at all he's just sort of all in on getting down inside the crawl space and um, getting that stuff out of there, getting rid of that rot.
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is something that she's been begging him to take care of mm-hmm. for who knows how long, right? Like, we, she really wanted this hot water heater problem to be fixed and then he fixed that and then he becomes, as you said, kind of obsessed with this project of dealing with the, with rot. And on the surface, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like if you have rot in your house, you should take care of it. And yeah. Walt is very much a, you know, a, a doer and he's going to fix this himself and solve this problem sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I think looking at this through Skylar and Junior's eyes is really interesting, right? Because like, it seems so abnormal to them. They're mm-hmm. like, who is this person sort of thing? And I mean, Walt, I think, has always been sort of, as we've said, sort of passive. I mean, you get the sense that he's very hands-on, though. Like, he is someone that would like to do things himself and fix things himself. He's got the science background and know-how and stuff like that. And now he's finally got a little bit of time and energy to do it. He's got tools, you know
1: what I mean? Like, he definitely has fixed things before. Yeah. He's not not hands-off.
2: Yeah, but I think the issue for them is how, like, he is again, very detached from the family and, like, what is what the family's needs and wants are. So, like, that he's doing this at, like, the most sacred time in the white household, which is breakfast. You know, breakfast is, as we've said, like, the one time they all sit together and they talk as a family, and that's where all those really wholesome white family moments happen, and that he's, you know, throwing his dirty, you know, uh, gloves on the table and disturbing the peace as they're trying to have breakfast. Um i've I've seen people online like complain about like what's Skyler and junior's problem like they should be grateful, how dare they be upset sort of thing, and I think they that those if that's you, if that's how you feel about it, I think it's a little bit more than that. It's not so much that he's doing this work, it's when he's doing this work and how he's disregarding how it affects them like yeah, fix it, but can you wait till like you know <laughs> a more reasonable hour or, or a better yeah. time to do it sort of thing,
1: yeah, and like you said it it's they don't really, they don't know what to make of it. I think that's more than anything. Like, I think that's the best point that you made there is that th- it, this is coming off the heels of him freaking out and and yeah. calling Hank out at the party in front of everyone. And, you know, of course he did apologize. He, he even mentions that he called Hank on the phone and, and he did everything he was supposed to do. But then, you know, he just sort of, he sort of goes from one extreme to the other. And, and now he's just running around the basement talking about rot. I mean, I, I love the line delivery. I love the, <laughs> I love the way he's buttering the toast here when he's got the hazmat suit on. And I love the, the line delivery of, are you going to go to work? And he says, Skylar there's rot, you know, like yeah. aren't you here like this is the most important thing that's happening like what you know get uh, get with the program. Um and like they you know they're both just sort of looking at him with these empty looks on their face like what are you even talking about, right? Mhm. Like I said yeah. the, when he passes the board up to him and he says it's wood, you know, like that's that's what they see, <laughs> you know, they don't see these fruiting yeah. bodies, you
2: know. Yeah and they obviously i cannot see or understand what's really you know just bubbling just below the surface for him and and why he's behaving the way he he does
1: you're listening to growth decay transformation we'll be right back let's get cooking we're back with more growth decay transformation
2: and um we talked a little bit about the ending of better call saul but i think like that final scene that we get with with walton and, uh, Jimmy, when they're at Ed's under the vacuum store, mm. I think that, that, uh, that when he's fixing whatever the leaky pipe is or whatever pilot, I don't even remember what it was, but whatever like was making that clicking sound under, uh, Ed's shop mm. that drives him crazy. I, f- I feel like that moment was a callback specifically to this, right? Yeah. Cause <laughs> Jimmy has a very similar reaction to like, you gotta fix this right now sort of thing. Can't mm-hmm. you just ignore it? Um, to how S- Skyler and and uh, Junior react in this scene.
1: If we look at the whole episode as a whole, you know, we have Walton and, and and Jesse again. You know, we split them up. We look at Jesse getting the realization that he's probably not who he thought he was uh, in this relationship, and and how things are going to go forward for him. He turns to the meth pipe. He gets that little drawing air to just to, to show that Jane is um is willing to apologize and, and reconcile. But he's you know, he's kind of occupied at the moment that he gets that. I mean there's some relief there, but he's also kind of zapped at the same time, right? hmm And then Walt he gets his he gets his moment at the at the Home Depot when he realizes that all this all this running around he's been doing trying to fix his rot um it's not really as exhilarating as as threatening the random person that you you meet in the uh store that you realize uh is a competitor and uh you know telling them to stay out of your your territory and being able to deliver it too I mean I think you know that that's an idea that that's one thing to have this idea you know the way that that he sort of threw that out towards Hank and and, and to this person here but it's another to be able to deliver that right i mean they, they they they're they're afraid of him in the way that this happens right like he he does he does wield some power there um
2: yeah he does and i i love how he's carrying the two cans of primer that's called the brand is called kills yeah. K I L Z right. And so it's a primer that has like antifungal, uh, whatever chemical in it. And that um that's what he's he's buying when he puts it down. So this idea that he's trying to to kill this rot, root this rot out, and then he very pointedly puts down the two cans and instead walks out into the parking lot at yeah. the end, I think lets lets us know that he's he's over it. He's not gonna yeah. try to that to- <laughs> project is is yeah.
1: yesterday. Now on yeah. to the next one.
2: Yeah, he's not, he doesn't care about his rot anymore. And I I don't mean that literally with the rot in his house. I mean, the rot in yeah, yeah. his soul, of like he's embracing it. He's like, you know what? I am Heisenberg. This is my territory, yeah. bitch. Get the fuck out. So, <laughs> you know, he just yeah, it, decides to go with it.
1: Yeah. And the progression of that is so good. I mean, like, he, he, first he just says, hey, look, these guys are into the same thing I'm into, you know, cool. Uh, yeah. Maybe I can help them out. I'll give them yeah, some- Yeah, he like,
2: he like slips into his like teacher mentor role. Like, yeah, this just guy sort of, is, of
1: science nerd mode, yeah, right? Like, this oh, guy is making like, meth is cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy's like an older, more skeevy Jesse, you know, they're yeah. kind of even dress similar. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, he's kind of telling him, you know, schooling him like the way he does Jesse. And I guess that that makes him feel good for a second. He feels his power again
1: i mean and and if you think about the if you think about the character the evolution of the character through these last what have we ca- talked about seventeen episodes now
2: mm-hmm
1: just the way that that he the, the just his physical presence in that scene the way that um he's not quite like he still doesn't have the the bottom half of the uh the goatee yet and and it, you know all of that but like physically he's a different person than he was when he started this um like you know as far as the way that that Brian Cranston uh plays the role and um yeah that's one of the biggest things about the end of this episode i was just like looking at it now was just like um yeah he really is transformed and and he's he's sort of putting it together in real time but um you know through the performance that that Brian Cranston's delivering you know he's 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 showing that to us as viewers like we can see that um even if we haven't put it together yet
2: yeah so we've seen the growth in like the first 16 or so episodes i said this is peak decay right yeah. raw decay and then at the the very end of this we finally see his realization of that transformation and embracing it. And uh, not to say that there isn't more to go and more to oh, happen, yeah. but I don't think <laughs> it's a at process. This point, yeah. <laughs> at this point, there's really no going back. This is Heisenberg. And yeah. uh, in the insider podcast, you know, i already mentioned that they were referring to him as a uh, Jekyll and Heisenberg. And so I think you still see some of that, that push and pull. Like he's, he wants to be the good guy. And so like when he calls to apologize to Skyler, And that's why that line really stood out to me, right? That, um, he's like, I don't know who that was. That wasn't me. He apologizes to Hank. He apologizes to Junior. Like he's still trying to like, like reconcile that I am this good guy. I'm this good father. This, uh, this other thing isn't me. But then at the very end, I think that's why that's such a a critical scene to not just this episode, but to the entire series again. Uh, we've seen the transformation happen. We've Mm -hmm. been, we've had a front row seat to it, but it's Walt really coming to grips with it and embracing it, I think is, is why this one is, is so important. Yeah. Where he's, yeah, he's all in.
1: Yeah. So important. Yeah, So I, you know, that kind of comes back to the, to the, what I was saying in my, in my overall impressions, you know, it, it this is, uh, it's just as important as all the other ones that we talked about, you know, like there's so much here that, that informs and enriches what we're going to see down the road. So yeah, it's uh it's a lot of fun. This is a great this is a great show. Even, you know, like this the 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 ones that don't hit maybe as as being as exciting right out of the bat when they first see it, it's it's still uh a really really fantastic look at the character. Yep.
2: Yeah. Just uh one other thing. Um that I I think I noticed uh, the first time I watched this. I mean, obviously not when I watched this particular episode, but when we know how Jane's story concludes, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they foreshadowed it heavily mm-hmm. what was going to happen to to Jane." And we get our our first real foreshadowing in this one when she wakes up and she comes out, and he's making her breakfast, and he says, "You weren't supposed to wake up," and she says, "Like, yeah. like whatever, you know." Yeah. And then, um. Of course, there's that that other one where they turn Holly on her side, and they talk about how like you gotta put her on her side, so she spits up and then Jane oh, has yep. Jesse lay on his side too, so they uh they put these little priester eggs, as uh, Peter Gould calls them <laughs> throughout, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, Kristen Ritter is a great little um contrast the you know the way the character is set up, she really does a good job of of being that. Uh, different kind of, of Walt, right? Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Like you, I, we had talked a lot about how how Tuco didn't last very long in the series. It, it's it, it already feels like she's on her way out, and we and she we're just getting to know her, right?
2: Yeah, but we
1: it's pretty memorable you, performance.
2: Yeah, but when you look back, you can already see like how how problematic she is for for Walt and. Um, I think you made a really astute point about how from the very first time they meet, when he's knocking on Jesse's door trying to get in and she comes out and she's like, you know, you yeah, knocked, right? <laughs> how she's this like barrier between them from, from the, the outset. And, uh, she holds a lot of sway over Jesse. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a threat to Walt because Walt wants to have total control, of course. So he doesn't yeah, want to share it- Jesse with anyone.
1: And that's what this does, too, again, right? I mean, I, I, I'm just saying things we've already said, but it's uh, we, we know that that's a big draw, you know, for, for Jesse towards Walt is that he wants that validation. And this sets up that same dynamic between them, right? Where, okay, you think I'm just a stoner that you're sleeping with? Well, I, you know, I can be more, you know, I'm going to show you that I can be more. And when I do the right things then you'll finally uh you know you'll finally realize that and you'll you'll validate it and then I can I can actually be that person then right like I need you to to uh see it so that I can know that it's real
2: Yeah when he goes out to the car after they have like their little argument after she comes back from lunch with her dad and uh he's sitting in his car he like leaves the 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 house and um the way he looks back at the house and he waits a beat to, to see, see if she'll come out yeah. it's so sad. I feel so mm-hmm. bad for him, <laughs> poor Jesse. But, yeah, uh, and, then, and like
1: I said, you know, you know when because you know the character, you too, you know that he's going to start smoking. Like that, that, that 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 that's the one thing that he he's given himself that if she comes out here, then we'll talk about this, and then that's it. But if not, then you just know that he's going to to. Um, drown his sorrows or whatever and that that's going to end really badly because nothing good happens (laughs) nothing good comes out of him smoking meth right
2: well yeah and i mean this this again is uh letting us know that this is how this character copes with stress because he Mm -hmm. can't cope with his stress he can't really handle his uh his emotions so he escapes into into um into crystal and i think it's really important that they showed us this right like he has a fight with his girlfriend it's a fight that like maybe something not the exact same situation right but we've all had like little spats with significant others um at Mm -hmm. some point in our lives right and it feels pretty shitty but this wasn't that big of a deal right like you don't necessarily like you know run immediately to start self-destructing because of that yeah and uh he does so we're, we're they very intentionally show us that this is someone that really can't handle any sort of stress um very, very functionally, right, and that's really important for setting up what's going to happen uh, with combo.
1: I yeah, because so. I mean, look, like you know, as much as as we like him, this is his this is his his flaw, right? This is definitely not a good thing that that this this is not a good character trait that that Jesse has, right? I mean, he's he does he turns straight to. You know, when, when as soon as he doesn't get that validation that he craves, he, he just wants to, to you know, numb himself out. I mean, it mm-hmm. would be nice if he would just go to the this, the corner store and get a couple more bags of Funyuns, but we know that <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more serious than that.
2: So uh, what was your, your favorite line for this one?
1: Well, I think that stay out of my territory would have to be in any conversation you had about lines when it comes to this uh episode but uh i think i'm gonna go with we've got rot um, (laughs) when he first when he first says that uh just because it's a i don't know that you know that this is a it's a heavy you know it's pretty heavy series and a lot of it like you mentioned earlier is metaphor here. And, and so it's, it's, I don't know. I I enjoy that, that little bit of uh. like, I mean, I laughed out loud whenever he said we got rot, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I didn't even necessarily, you know, understand what he meant the first time I saw it. And it's still, it's just, it's just a funny line, you know, and and the, the way that he plays it is, is pretty perfect. What about you?
2: I would have gone with that one too. That that probably is my favorite line though we've got rot, but because I, I know you picked it. I went with <laughs> when I got my diagnosis cancer, I said to myself, you know, why me? And then the other day when I got the good news I said the same thing. So yeah. that was that was my pick. I also really like the one I already mentioned about um the way he says to Skylar when he calls her, you know, the next morning after the pool thing.
1: Yeah, I mean there are so many in this one. Um that uh nothing's really changed. It's just postponed. Doesn't feel any different, you know. The good news, all that stuff was was really fantastic too as far as as lines go. Um only female ca- kangaroos have pouches. <laughs> <laughs> Another funny one. Uh what about shots? I had a little bit more trouble. Like I, I had a lot of lines, but I had a little more trouble with shots, and not necessarily because there aren't a lot of good looking shots here, but because I don't want to just do the exact same you know, like we're at the point that I you know, like there's a there's like, like for example, there's a great time lapse where they show the sun mm-hmm. going down and then they show the morning again. Great shot. I really liked it. But I didn't you know, like I've I've thought about those th- you know, those long shots, those wide shots with the time lapse so many times that I, I just don't want to go back the same time. So, I, this time I picked the... There's a, there's a quick shot in the... It's a sort of like the the first one you see when he goes back to the um, the Home Depot or the, the hardware store or whatever. And it's from underneath the cart where you see the wheel kind of shaking yeah, the like wheel. how yeah yeah like how they how they do whenever you go to those places all inevitably you know the cart's got some weird wheel or something like that and it's like from that point of view it's it, it, you know it's just sort of really s like then it really establishes the intensity at which he's he's jumped into this project right and um and how like that's just a weird place for him to be altogether, you know, like as he's out shopping for lumber and and things like that. So I thought that was a that was a pretty good one. I mean, it's about you know like him getting out there to get these supplies the, so he can tackle the rot. Uh, what about you? What were you thinking about shot wise?
2: Well, that's, that's, I just want to say that's a great shot too. That I like your pick. That was something that also uh, stood out to me, that one wonky wheel at the front. And that's something we've all experienced. You go to the supermarket or anywhere else where you have a shopping cart, you might get one of those. But the fact that they showed a little bit, a little bit wonky, I think again is maybe letting us know that he's a little bit off kilter. He's a little bit like a directionalist. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're showing us that there's, he's, he's doesn't really have a straight path, but he finds it right um for i also had the same issue as you i didn't there was nothing that really stood out to me as like a really spectacular shot or interesting shot or important shot in this one because again this was so character focused but there were a couple things so there was i i mentioned in the last episode that we like the object point of view so we kind of get the the cart point of view and then there's one quick shot of jesse through the bottom of his glass uh skillet his pan when he's cracking the egg and that's when he says the great line, "Um, this is your brain. This is your yeah. brain on drugs."
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about this because is that I mean is, they, is that a, a thing people do? Is they have glass frying pans? Is it popular, uh, or is that I just something that exists and it also works really well for an object point of view for cracking? I've seen lemonade. them before.
2: I actually have one, but I don't really really use it. I mean, I have like Pyrex, like baking dishes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I guess. I guess some people use use glass or well,
1: because I mean, one of the things that you see with Jesse and his, this little apartment that, that he he is starting to fill it out with stuff, right? And he always buys really. Exp- I mean, he's a drug dealer, you know, like he has cash sitting around, so he he buys the 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 most expensive thing whenever he's going to buy a thing, right? So yeah, I, I, I think that's what I was it's... wondering. I guess if like. There's really nice glass frying pans out there because I just never knew anyone that that used one regularly.
2: Yeah, I can't say that I, I know much about glass baking <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I mean I, this is the first time I think we see his like his lazy boys or what does he call them? The zero gravity chairs. They just look like normal recliners to me, but you see he's got two there and he's got like a nice like green rug. So he's yeah. he has started to decorate the the place a little bit
1: yeah I um, like that little shot too like that you just they don't they don't make a point of every single thing that he gets, but they do yeah. make that point to show us that now that he's trying to impress Jane and you know have her over and everything else that the place is filling out with uh some some decent i mean it's a nice little place, I guess you know,
2: yeah yeah, so I like that that shot i mean it's again it's not really great or significant or anything like that, but just the irony of him like you know the talking about the, this, it's like, it's, it would be like him wearing like a dare t-shirt or something doing the, mm-hmm. this is uh your brain, this is your brain on, on drugs. And I think <laughs> probably most Americans are familiar with that campaign. Cause I know it's something that's been, I don't know when it first started, but I know in like the late nineties, they used to have commercials where like someone would like crack an egg and they would say, this is your brain. And then they'd show it frying. This is your brain on drugs. And it was like one of those anti, yeah, I, anti-drug I think, things.
1: I think that probably started in the eighties or either late 80s mid 80s late 80s early 90s I, I i'm 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 almost positive that it would be you know by the early 90s it feels like it was already probably something that people had had spent time with and knew i mean it, it was such a impactful um commercial when it first came out like i don't know why it was so effective but i think everybody remembered that the first after the first time they saw it
2: yeah. And it's a thing that, that they've continued. So it's something that, um, they still make those commercials. I saw one yeah. not like a few years ago. So it's still, it's still a thing. But, um, I, I guess that was like the most interesting shot to me. It's not like a spectacular or really great shot, but, um, my favorite scene is, is that confrontation between Walton, uh, and Hank. So I love how like they come like face to face sort of thing. And again, it's, it's not necessarily like really, profound camera work or anything i mean it's well shot but i just i love that that scene so again yeah nothing really spectacular stood out
1: yeah but uh you know
2: Oh, oh can i just say speaking of which of that scene at the pool so this is something i didn't know um until i listened to the insider podcast but it was actually written a little bit differently uh betsy brant was supposed to come up and take the bottle away from them and then hank was or walt was going to say something like bring it back to marie and then uh hank would then defend marie and that's how like Mm. it was supposed to go down but they had to change it last minute because betsy brant went into labor so she was in the hospital as they were filming this and they were talking about how happy they are that actually it worked out that way because it
1: it's better this way
2: yeah, it keeps the the tension on those two characters, which is really where the tension was, and it's not even like it would it would change like where how we understand Hank. I think because of course he would defend his wife, but yeah, either, that's
1: what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I was yeah. thinking. You know? so I think it, I think
2: this is way more interesting.
1: Yeah, because it 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 says a lot about Hank's character. Hank, it's not easy for Hank to back down there. Like mm-hmm. really, if you know, for the way that he carries himself, like he has to. He has to take any threat that lobbies at him seriously. You know what I mean? Like he can't really. That's just the kind of person he is, right? Like we see so many awkward situations where he doesn't know how to interact with people, but mm-hmm. in this kind of situation, that's his thing, right? Like he, he's you know he's not going to back down, not easily, anyways.
2: Well, I don't. I think it. I don't know that I agree because he is aware of. Some of that tension that exists, right? So when, for example, when Junior uh, gets busted trying to buy beer when, uh, when Walt is in, um, you know, off doing his thing, and uh, he calls Hank, Junior calls Hank instead of calling Walton, and, and Hank recognizes that he's like, "That's not cool. You should have called your dad," sort of thing. How's that going to make mm-hmm. him feel? So I think he is aware of the effect that. That he he has on junior and he' aware of that discrepancy and just another thing that is is mentioned when um Marie calls Hank and she wants him to talk to junior about marijuana and he says have you know why doesn't Walt do it or have yeah, Skyler do, do it and yeah. then yeah, and she says Marie says to him he respects you so he's very cognizant of this dynamic between him and his nephew and he is conscious of how that might make Walt feel and I think yeah. You know, I think Hank is actually you know, he actually has a pretty high EQ in this scene. I think if it were anyone else, he probably would puff up and ev- and things like that, but he's this is his brother in law, he's been through a lot, he knows where he's coming from, sort of thing. And I think he's just chalking it up to like this is a man under like extreme stress and he's just had a little too much to drink or whatever. I actually think he he downplays a lot. Like he's trying to to um I guess, uh, to, to calm the situation.
1: Yeah. No, I, don't thi- I don't think he's, yeah, I don't think he's, he, I don't think he, I think all of what you said is true. I just think that it's, you know, as far as what Walt's doing, he's pushing his buttons in a way that is, is, is particularly difficult for, for Hank to overlook because he does see himself as the top dog. You know what I mean? Like all that other stuff considered, it's sort of like what you were saying about the way that. Walt and 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 Jane see um Jesse, you know, they think of that they think of him as their you inferior, know inferior yeah as their inferior and and then when it comes to being a man Hank thinks of of Walt as being his inferior and so you know like that's a very strange place for him to be in to be able to like yeah okay I get it all this stuff you know you're drunk you're, you're you it all makes sense but like you know it, he's still he's still who he is right
2: yeah, he is. He is. And I, I think, but really what's motivating Hank in this scene is concern for for Junior. And that's the one thing that yeah. <laughs> Walt really to lacks. Are the
1: father of the year? <laughs> yeah.
2: And in this scene, he actually is being a better father figure, right? Like he's looking out for yeah. this kid's well-being where Walt absolutely is not. No. Nope. He's just trying, just, yeah, yeah. just trying to make
1: a point. Yeah, Walt is just trying to make a and And he's fueled by tequila in the process, mm-hmm. which doesn't generally improve your performance um, (laughs) even though you might think it does (laughs) yeah all right so if you enjoyed this episode be sure to follow our podcast uh you know sign up you can do that wherever you listen to podcasts and you can turn on notifications so you'll know when the next episode comes out if you got a little bit of extra time please rate and review us leave a little Tell us what you like about it, why you like it, Um, you know, that way other people find out about it. Hopefully, that's supposed to be how that works. And if you really want to help us out, you can support us. You can come to Patreon and become one of our patrons. Um, Do that at patreon.com, transformation. And, um, yeah, because, you know, anything that you can do there will help us out to keep this thing going.
2: Yeah, and if you would like to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at Breaking Bad GDT. We love to hear from you all. And, uh, you know, we do our favorite, uh, we tell you what our favorite lines and our favorite shots are uh, for every episode. So if you're inclined to, to tell us, uh, we'd love to, to know what your thoughts are. So uh, follow us on Twitter. Or if you would like to write to us, you may do so at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com.